Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench. Today is Meet My Friend Friday. And you guys know I like to have people on the show on Fridays who will encourage and inspire you. Last week you heard from Harry Alisea and they were talking about their uh, adoption journey. We've already heard from a lot of you who are encouraged by that. I've invited Harry to come back and talk about his testimony. It's a remarkable story of what it means to trust the Lord in the midst of hard circumstances. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so I'm glad you guys are here today. A couple things before we get jumping on the hairy bandwagon today. Uh, I want to encourage you to check out Mom Strong International. We are doing a series for the summertime there. It's it's a little bit of a lighter study. We, t- we typically do that in the summertime, but it's a great time for you guys to get involved, to check out uh, just getting into a rhythm of studying the Word of God. We want to encourage you to do that at momstronginternational.com. Also, check out the books I've written, you guys, at HeidiStJohn.com. There is a brand new book that came out. Uh, the last book that I wrote is really focused on the promises of God, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today, because no matter what happens in our lives, right, life can be difficult. You guys have heard me talk about my testimony here at the show many times. Life is hard, but God is good, and God can be trusted. And today, I'm excited to have Harry back on the show. Uh, last time you were here, you heard their beautiful wife, Kayla, talking about the adoption of uh, Sola Grace, which was uh, very well received, by the way. That was a really encouraging, uh, an encouraging interview. But I wanted to bring you back today because you kept talking about where you had come from and the testimony that God had given you. And so I wanted to to uh, invite you back on to talk about where you've been and sort of what the Lord has done in your life. Because there are a lot of people right now mm-hmm. who are walking through difficult circumstances. Yeah. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs in the middle of the Rona. There are many people who lost a loved one, people who have lost everything they had. I talk to people all the time when I'm out on the road or they'll write into me and they're angry, mm-hmm. angry at what's happening to them or what happened to a loved one that they uh, that was a part of their life, angry at their circumstances. Yeah. And it's something that you and I were talking about briefly before the show. So uh, welcome. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me back. Two, I got to give you props. Not a lot of people can say my last name. So <laughs> give you props on that. <laughs> and, thir- and third, I'm not as nervous as I was before. Well, that's good. Having you don't my, look nervous. Ha- well, having my wife next to me is kind of like nerve-wracking, but I'm all good. <laughs> now you're going to hear the voice different and all that. But yeah, thank you for having me back here. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. So let's let's um, start from the beginning because you were saying last time you were here, you know, we're talking about your, your heart for adopting. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's done an amazing thing in... Seeing that dream and that desire in your heart and in Kayla's heart come to pass yeah. with the adoption of Sola Grace. But you had said that you came through the foster system mm-hmm. and that you never were adopted. Mm-hmm. And we don't often hear those stories. You know, people don't talk very often about the foster the foster care system, which in many ways is broken. Mm-hmm. I know certainly here in Washington State, it's a nightmare. But tell us a little bit about where you were born and how you came into the foster care system. So... It's interesting because now that right so I'm going to be telling how my testimony is. It's amazing how God works, right? Mm-hmm. From the moment that I was conceived to now. So my mom tried to kill me when she was eight months pregnant with me. Oh, wow. Based on what I heard, 
she used overall $800 of cocaine. Yeah. Eight months pregnant with Eight you. Eight months pregnant. And, and where was this? Is this in the... the this the, is New Jersey. In okay. New Jersey. Yeah. So, and, you know, and this entire time, I'm not going to be mentioning names because I don't want people to go, oh, you, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I stood in the hospital for three months. I stayed in the hospital for three months. We had a detox because of the drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a cliff lip, um, which... So, born addicted to drugs, it sounds yeah. like, and with a cleft palate. Yep. Okay. Um, I was born in Christmas Day, which is... Nice, I did right? not notice yeah, about I'm, you. There you go. I'm a Christmas, a Christmas baby. Christmas baby. <laughs> so, I had to share my Christmas with Jesus. <laughs> but even though he was born in July, not right. in December 25th. Right, right. <laughs> so, but um, the crazy thing is, right, is like I stayed in the hospital for three months. and and from that three months, a lot of people told me that they saw me with like um, IVs and all that. Like, no one took the pictures, and I wish that someone oh, would have I taken know. pictures. That been, yeah, because yeah, you can see it, but it's like yeah. no one taking pictures of us. Okay, so as I was growing, what year was it, this? This was in 1987. Okay, so at 89, I remember the age of two. I remember we were living in an apartment. In the bottom of the apartment, there was a store. And I wish I knew who was those people because I would like to thank them. Mm-hmm. They called social services. At that point, they called social services. And I remember seeing this big, giant police officer. Um, and they took us. My, my, my wife, my sister... She was screaming because we have no idea. But they took us from 89 being in the system. So once we were in the system, again. So you, you never saw your parents again after that? I, I didn't. You're I didn't kidding. Yeah, I didn't see my, my, my mom and dad. So your parents, I'm assuming, are, are yeah, we know your mom's a drug addict, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. she was, she was a she, sure, she, struggling she, yeah. with drugs. I'm, I can only assume that your dad had a similar So my issue. dad actually, he used to work for the newspaper. Really? And he, yes, he did drugs, but he was also working mm-hmm. because he, for him, was like, no, I'm taking care of my kid. Mm-hmm. I'm his only child, but my sister, he took her over and mm-hmm. kind of raised her. Mm-hmm. But when they took us in the system and for all the foster houses, I don't remember until the one that I was six years old. At the age of six, I saw my mom. With a gel, with a orange jump, um, jumpsuit. Yep, when she was in prison. Wow, I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. but I don't know why she was there. But they took you to see her. They took me to see her. So she must have asked to see you. I would assume. I don't really know. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like I don't really know. Interesting. And the only thing she said was, "I love you. I love you." Mm-hmm. And I'm like confused because um, for a kid to be a six years old, you don't know. That's a whole thing when it goes with this um, being in the system. Those kids, they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't really know. They're confused. Right, right. And the system and that we're living in, in the society that we're living in right now, they're taking that confusion to, are you confused to your sexuality? Are you confused at this? And it's mm-hmm. like, no, they're not confused at that. The amount of money that we spend on dumb things, get a really good counselor for these kids. Mm-hmm. Because when they grow up, that's not going to be a nice kid. Mm-hmm. 
These kids, they become violent. Mm -hmm. So I remember seeing my mom. and But before leaving New Jersey, we stay at this foster house lady that my brother, and that was the last time I saw my brother mm. at six years old. I'm 34. Wow. I haven't seen him anymore. Because he says, as long as you guys have contact with your mom, I won't talk to you. Wow. Because she beat him up because he just looked like his dad. So he made me an airplane. And the lady that we were staying at, she was like, if that's not for my kid, it's for nobody. And she'd throw it. Yeah. She'd throw it through the second floor and it broke. I remember I told my sister, I said, I remember being six years old, walking from school to the house and her and I stopped to play with the snow because we didn't play. We didn't have no toys or nothing. I feel like we're like Harry Potter, just <laughs> straight poof, to the room, except I wasn't underneath the, the stairs. And I remember being 10 minutes late and we got in trouble. So from the age of preborn mm -hmm. or being in the world to the age of six, I already have mentally trauma. Mm -hmm. But I was still smiling because I'm the kind of person I will not show my emotions, which is hard now because now I have to show it to my kids. And yeah. I'm like, I love you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I did this. <laughs> and even my daughter, she would come. She would be like, Papi, are you okay? She would touch my face. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, mommy. Um, mm -hmm. But when I'm six years old, we got sent to Puerto Rico. They asked my grandma, hey, do you want to adopt your grandkids? She said, no. She said, I don't want them. My uncle said, they asked my uncle, he said, no. And they said, well, we will give you money. And he said, sure. So now you go with the money part. Mm -hmm. So now in Puerto Rico, six years, six years old with my sister. And I didn't went to school for the first year because I couldn't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. The only language I spoke was English. Mm -hmm. And I remember that first year being there, I was bullying. I was getting bullied by my cousins. Because one, six years old, two, didn't speak their language. What did you think? So you 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 were in Puerto Rico, which is a pretty big switch from New York and New Jersey. I mean, it's a switch culturally. It's a switch the climate for for sure. Were you, you feel like you were generally glad that you were there or generally like what in the world? I was trying to survive. Yeah. That's the only thing that was in my mind. And how mind. old are you at this point? I was six. Wow. I was just trying to survive. Yeah. Um, Because now that I'm six years old, that's when it starts getting worse. Because I stayed behind in one year because my uncle, my, not my uncle, my aunt, Went to school, talked to them, said, hey, he doesn't speak nothing of English, uh, Spanish. They said, well, he cannot be here. That's how the school system works over there. Mm -hmm. He has to be out for one year, teach him how to speak Spanish. So it's basically you and I have a conversation. And I started saying, now it gets to the point you're like, what? <laughs> that was me for the entire year. Yeah, I don't know what they were saying. But I had to catch up. I did find a couple friends who 
as of this point, I still call him. He's like my brother. He lives in Florida. Um, him and I got together, hang out. He was adopted as well, too. And for us, as you know, growing, we started learning how to speak Spanish. I had a teacher then that she taught me how to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. So my English just started going away. Now I'm still surviving. Every time I would bring my um, grades to my uncle, I remember getting hit by a broomstick, shovel, um, the TV cord, smack, punch. Now there's more trauma coming and more trauma coming. And as I'm going, it gets to the point that I was afraid to even bring my credit, my, my, mm -hmm. my grades to home because I was going to get beat up. Mm -hmm. I knew that. I was like, well, I'm going to get beat up. Did my aunt help any of that circumstance? She didn't. Because I was, it's funny as I was talking with my sister the other day and I was sitting in my car and I'm telling her, she was like, I can't forgive her or him. And I was like, why not? What is the anger is going to help you? She's like, I know it's not helping, but I can't. I said, the only way to have peace, you have to learn how to forgive. Mm -hmm. And she did it. My aunt always made it so worse that my body already knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. And I was already, I was like, just ready. So at what point, so you're, so you've grown up, you're growing up in, in a, in a traumatic situation. We're mm -hmm. going to take a break in just a second, but I want to, I want to bring this around to, to talk. Cause I know that there is a point in which you were exposed to the gospel and uh, I don't have a circumstance nearly as, as bad as yours, but mine was enough to make me an angry kid. Right. And to, to start looking at your circumstance and begin to blame other people instead of going, uh, instead of looking in inward or trying to find a solution. But when you're eight years old, it's very hard to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Are you in the market for a new mattress? Well, you can get the best sleep you've ever had with the MyPillow two-sided coil quilted mattress. My husband and I tried it out last year for the first time, and I am here to tell you it has been my favorite mattress that we have ever owned. This mattress comes with a 10-year warranty and a six-month money-back guarantee so you don't have anything to lose. Better than that, you can get a massive discount right now by going to the radio listener special page at MyPillow.com and using the promo code Heidi. That's H-E-I-D-I. -I, or call 1-800-447-0541. I want to thank you guys so much for supporting MyPillow. Your support of MyPillow not only helps an American company, but it also supports this podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So welcome back, everybody. Harry, when you you're growing up in this and it I, I believe this and we've had guests on the show before. I think that when you grow up in abuse, it hardwires you. You're hardwired for trauma. And it's a it's very uh, it can be a lifelong struggle to try to come out of that. 
And at one point, you know, when you and I were talking, you were saying your your life kind of took a turn, but you have a really interesting because I'm thinking, well, somebody must have taken you to church. I wonder did the did the joy bus come by your house, you know? But you 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 took yourself to church. Yeah. How did that happen? Because you're growing up in Puerto Rico. This is not, you know, you don't have a happy home. School's not going yeah. good for you. Your sister's gone. Mm-hmm. What draws you? How old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. To uh, to check out church. I just when I actually started going to church, I was I actually first used church as escaping. Sure. I was like, I can go to church. I'm escaping from the abusing part and all that, but. It was funny because God was using that to bring him closer to me. And I remember there's a camp in Puerto Rico. Uh, there were some missionaries um, that they live in Texas now. And I called it mom and dad because they've been in my life, my entire life. But I remember going to them um, and they picked me up and they took us to the uh, church. And that summer we went to camp and I remember going to the camp I also felt relief and I was still not a Christian yet, but I felt relieved because I was like, well, everybody's Christian. Well, and it's yeah. a safe place for you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I remember listening to the verse John three sixteen, And then I talked to my counselor. I was like, who in the heck will give their life for me? I was like, it's dumb. Like, <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't think no one should actually die for me because I won't die for nobody. And that was my mentality. But then they explained me John 3, 16 with 17. And it's like, oh, okay. And I remember that week, it was more like, Carrie, I love you. And I'm going to be there for you no matter how bad it gets. And all these years at the age of 17, I remember that was in my uncle's house. And I was in my uncle's house and I was actually in the restroom. Next thing I heard the door slam it. And I'm like, I'm in here. He was like, grab your stuff in the bag and get out. So I got kicked out at the age of 17. So now from the age of 17, that it started going down. I moved to the United States with $200 in my pocket. Started drinking again. Started smoking. And where are you at? North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Then I went from North Carolina, I went to Pennsylvania. And I was with my brother there. Then I went from Pennsylvania, I moved back to North Carolina. And I was like, Lord, I can't be doing this anymore. I can't. I'm getting beat down. And where is your faith in all this? Because before this, you'd been in, you'd been going to a Christian camp. Mm-hmm. You'd become a counselor. And now your life's taken this turn and you're basically, you know, on the streets back in the United States. And you're in your car and you're like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I felt my faith was dropping slowly mm-hmm. because I was still getting hit. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I can't. I was like, to be honest, if you're there, please don't forgive me. Don't for- forsake me. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I need you. So, and now it comes to a lie in my mind is, this is my life. And I was like, okay, I don't know what else to do, God. So, he was like, go back to church. So, I'm like, I don't want to. And that gets to the point, I don't want to go back to church. So I was like, okay. So I went back to church. You're still in North and Carolina? I'm still in North Carolina. Go back to church. Was the verse that he actually puts in my, in my brain? Matthew 25. 
when um, it was in Matthew 25, 8 or 8, 25. When I was hunger, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. It's like he's still there. He's still talking to me, but he's still taking care of me. And what, what he was preparing me, the next thing was going to be awesome. But I didn't know because it's all God's timing. So I decided to move to North Carolina, to Puerto Rico. Now, Kayla still doesn't know what's going on. Because but you, you're in touch with Kayla now. now. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, we actually didn't talk for 10 years. Mm-hmm. God united Kayla and I together to work now in the barrio where I grew up. During that time that we we're in Puerto Rico, my sister calls me. She's like, hey, I got to talk to you. My sister says, I found your dad. I hang up. That was my reaction. I was like, I hang up. So I call her back. I said, okay, it's not fair. What do you want? Because I still had that against him too. Mm-hmm. I said, like, dude, you could have a look for me. You don't know the life that I went through. And then out of nowhere, you're just going to pop and say, hey, I'm here. And my sister was like, just talk to him, listen to him. You'd be good. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you're the one who takes control. So he talked to me and I'm talking with him. And I said, what happened? Why this, into all these years, you didn't look for me? I said, you don't realize how bad and beat up my life has been getting on me. A long story short with him was, he said, I tried. But your family wouldn't give me no information. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. They didn't want to tell me where you were. And he went back to church. He went back to church. And I think I got it from him, the, the church part, because my mom ain't religious. <laughs> but he went back to church. He converted to Christ, and he, he just prayed for me. And he was like, if my son's still out there, Lord, please protect him. Two months later, talking with him every day, then it got to like three days. I was like, hmm, weird. He hasn't called me. He normally calls me like every day. And people are trying to get in touch with me. So when I talked to my aunt for the first time, she was like, you got to come here to the States. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Your dad's not going to make it. I made it to New York. And he died while I was in an airplane. Mm. But when I saw him with a smile, he was happy from the man I become. And that's what I want my kids to know. Mm-hmm. That's why. Do I work hard? Absolutely I do. Do I give this stuff to my kids? Do they want? Absolutely. But I also I also teach them discipline. Mm-hmm. Because the same way how everything I've been through. I want them to be thankful, but not to me, to God. You can become somebody in this life. Stop blaming everybody in the world. Take responsibility. I had to take responsibility to the stuff that I did. Mm-hmm. Drugs, alcohol. For anybody who comes and says coming to this country is hard and not been able to do nothing, that's a lie. I came to this country with 200 bucks in my pocket. Right now, I own a business. Over 90 employees. That business is a ministry. God's the one who controls it. Well, and I think, too, it speaks to the power of forgiveness, right? I mean, it's not, it's a command in scripture. It's not a suggestion. 
that we forgive. And Christ said, you forgive others as I have forgiven you. And we've been forgiven much, you know. And so to be able to uh, to hold that the person who wronged you and say, yeah, I forgive you. And sometimes, and I've said this many times, and certainly this was the case for me between me and my own dad. Sometimes forgiveness means accepting an apology that you'll never get. Sometimes forgiveness means I'm going to thank the Lord that my life is here, that he said he had a plan and a purpose for my life. That's why you like Psalm 139 so much, right? It just says that I knit you together in your mother's womb. There's nothing mentioned of the circumstances of conception or the circumstances to which you were born. But God said, I knew you, I know you, and I'll never leave you. And really, Harry, the, the truth is, and uh, and I think your story is part of this, and I, I will say this to women especially all the time who feel like maybe they, they can't have a voice because of where they came from or the things that they had done or the circumstances of their birth or whatever it was. But who's the person that's best likely to minister to a woman who's just gotten a diagnosis of breast cancer? Is it a woman who's never experiences the ravages of uh, never experienced the ravages of breast cancer, never had to go through the indignity of a double mastectomy and the radiation that follows, or is it a woman who's walked that road and can come out on the other side of it and say, God's good and he loves you and he's going to use your story. And that's a lot of what God's doing. And that's one of the things like Kayla have asked me, she's like, why can you, how come you can forgive and just move on? People make mistakes, but I give grace. And I'm like, hey, I forgive you. Let's move on. Let's try to fix it. Right. Let's try to fix it so this doesn't happen again. And funny part about it is I'm still talking. It's like God put in my mind right now is I live through fear. Mm-hmm. And every time I messed up, I was like, oh, I'm going to get punished. And as I'm talking to employees now and even my kids, I'm like, no, you're not going to get punished. I'm going to forgive you for what you did. Now, how can we work through that? Mm-hmm. How can we get better or actually not happen the same mistakes? Right, right, right. And you have an opportunity in your company because you and I have talked about this before. You're giving people opportunities to work, to turn, you know, change the trajectory of their life. Yeah. And a large part of how you're able to do what you're doing is because of where you came from. Yeah. And God's using it. And I think that that's what I want people to walk away with. I always tell people, you know, stop looking back. You're not going that way. Mm-hmm. I think this is why the Apostle Paul said, listen, I'm, I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm pressing on toward the goal. And the goal is heaven. Like yeah. we know that this world is temporary. And one of these days, uh, we're not going to see through a glass mm-hmm. darkly anymore. We're going to yeah. understand. And sometimes it's hard to understand why God allows suffering. Yeah. And he does allow it. Mm-hmm. And yet, he uses all of it. Yeah. And it's a crazy part about this, too, that we're living in a culture that a lot of Christians, they're afraid to even bring the gospel to others because the first thing people will do is, oh, you're judging me? Right. Oh, right really? Right. No, I'm not. I'm not judging you. Yeah. I'm just talking with you. And funny thing is that when I actually have have meetings and nobody knows this. Because, you know, except with the people who are Christians and my staff, I was like, hey, we need to be treating each other love, gentleness, kindness. And I keep mentioning it. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> now, the moment that I will say, oh, that's the fruit of the Spirit, which God tells us to do, the first thing we're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but it's like I use God's word to even bring to people. And that's what we should be doing, mm-hmm. especially now. The way how the world is going, we should be bringing the gospel to 
everybody, no matter what mm-hmm. was uh, time or whatever is happening, because you can minister somebody mm-hmm. while you're filling up their gas. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. I mean, this is part of uh, Jesus saying, you know, you're the you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Well, Harry, you have a podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me. Um, well, first of all, my podcast name is uh, Talk With God in Prayer. Uh, you can find me on Spotify, Apple um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Anchor.fm. Um, or our, you can go to our uh, Facebook page, um, Talk With God in Prayer. Um, we're always bringing more um, episodes in there, um, which, like I told you before, you actually inspire me to actually make more episodes. Good, I'm glad. So <laughs> um, we are having more listener, listeners coming in. Um, you can always send us an email as well too. Talk with God, prayers at gmail dot com. Um, we're always like to pray for people and things like that. Or if there's any subject that anybody wants, they can actually send it there as well too. Um, but yeah. That's where you can find us. And I love it. Harry, thank you for coming on the show and for just sharing your testimony of what God's done in your life. And it's exciting to watch your family grow and see you guys grow in, uh, in influence that God's given you. So thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you. You guys want more information on my guest day, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Check out the show notes and we'll have more information for you there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.